Four years ago, one sports team had the nation and baseball fans especially on the edge of their seats. That team was the Chicago Cubs. As we all know now, the Chicago Cubs, for much of their history, were at best a team that couldn't get it together, and at worst, the ultimate chokers, a laughingstock, and a sports franchise that would never ever see another championship in all its history. Some people called them the lovable losers. Others said simply that the word Cubs stood for completely useless by September. And for much of their existence, all of the above was true. But just over four years ago, around Independence Day 2016, the Cubs were 22 games above 500 and were tipped to break their long curse. By the end of that season, the Cubs would not only finish first in the National League Central Division with 103 wins, they also had the best record at all of baseball. And eventually they would finally grab that elusive World Series title. Today on 28 Minutes of Sport, we're going to talk about that miraculous Chicago Cubs season of 2016. We're also going to talk about why this team is such a cultural phenomenon. We'll hear from Cubs first baseman Anthony Rizzo, as well as Cubs new manager David Ross. We'll also talk to a couple other players and some fans and media people who have watched the Cubs throughout their history. Get ready for some Cubs mania. Welcome back to 28 Minutes. I'm your host, Andy Fry. I have to start with a little bit of a disclaimer. I am a Chicago Cubs fan. Although I did not grow up in Chicago or the nearby suburbs, something happened when I moved here 25 years ago. Perhaps it was living on the north side and eventually succumbing to the pull or the aura or the charm of nearby Wrigley Field. Maybe it was the ivy or the people or just the fun neighborhood. Perhaps it had something to do with rooting for an underdog that made me feel good. Whatever it was, eventually I became part of the Cubs nation. Now that we got that disclaimer out of the way, let's talk about a little bit of baseball. One thing that's true for just about anybody who works in the realm of sports media is that you continue to love sports and you never stop being a fan. And it's probably true that I realized this about two years ago. In the summer of 2018, I got to meet former Cubs catcher and fan favorite David Ross. At the time, the recently retired Ross had a couple of very interesting work gigs. After the 2016 World Series season, Ross came on board as a special assistant to the Chicago Cubs operations team. Ross's new tenure with the organization would be illustrated in hilarious fashion right before the 2017 Major League Baseball season. The Cubs put together a spoof commercial about a fictional company called the Brizzo Souvenir Company. In it, David Ross was depicted as a newly hired intern. Let's just say it's been a big year for the Brizzo Souvenir Company. Lots of home runs. But what do you know? The man's off the charts. They're out of raspberry scones. I got you a zucchini vegan muffin. A vegan zucchini muffin, actually. A zucchini muffin? Is that a thing? But on a serious note, after 15 years in the major leagues, David Ross had a lot of expertise that was in demand. For the 2017 season, ESPN also hired David Ross as a baseball color analyst to talk strategy and plays alongside former Yankees great Mark Texiera plus Tim Kirchin and other well-known baseball talking heads. But for David Ross, the TV persona did not end with baseball. He quickly became a fan favorite elsewhere, particularly among TV fans, and the TV fans that watched the ABC network hit TV show called Dancing with the Stars. I'm at Wrigley Field. I'm just excited to be here. Hi! Hello, how are you? My name is David Ross, former Major League Baseball player, current World Series champion, Chicago Cubs. So you just I, retired. I just retired. What My last official at bat was a home run, Game 7 of the World Series. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. I would have had a victory dance after the World Series, but my teammates carried me off the field. 
I am the first Major League Baseball player to be on this show. That is pretty insane. It's a lot of pressure. There's some good dancers out there in Major League Are Baseball. There? Yeah. Well, and you're going to show them. I think what was going through Lindsay's mind is, who is this old guy I got to dance with? The first week of June 2018, Ross was back in Chicago for another television-related job. Soccer buzz was in the air, and the 2018 World Cup was about to start. Ross was back in town to shoot a commercial with Modelo. He was paired with USA soccer legend Landon Donovan for a beer commercial in which the two pros took a seat at the bar and started talking about things like sports, winning, and among other things, breaking curses. That year, the U.S. men's national team had failed to make it to the World Cup. Longtime USA great, Landon Donovan was retired from Team USA and was actually playing with a club called Leon in the Mexican leagues. Unlike the U.S., Team Mexico had made it to the World Cup, and Landon Donovan explained that, for this World Cup at least, he was going to cheer for Team Mexico. On that day, David Ross and Landon Donovan over a beer talked about a topic that was familiar to Mexican fans, the curse of the fifth game. Much like the Chicago Cubs, who had long gone without a world championship, Team Mexico had never been able to go deep into the World Cup competition. Even though David Ross was not by any means a soccer expert, he and Landon Donovan talked about a very important theme, that is breaking curses in sports. I just talked to Landon about, uh, he spent time in Mexico, so he's feeling this curse, which is the theme right. of uh, the commercial and the campaign here. Um, but So I want to hear your perspective of coming to the Cubs the last two years and helping them through a World Series. I think some of us who are outside the ballpark see you as kind of a stabilizing factor, maybe not a curse breaker, but right. talk about um, your time there, yeah. sort of your feel. And well, just coming over here, I think, you know, when you talk about... Um, sports championships and like the pinnacle of sports I think for me coming over here was one of those opportunities to do something super special in all the sports right and so that kind of was some one of the factor of the 108 years was a thing for me and like why I wanted to come over here uh, not just because of John Lester but because of the city and all these great things but also because I wanted to you know doing something special in Boston in 2013 and feeling what that felt like I wanted to try to be able to to do that here in Chicago or having an influence on the group of guys that did and uh, luckily uh, that worked out but um, yeah I mean you know we didn't talk a lot about curses and the 108 years and stuff but um, that was kind of my background on coming over here and being a part of it and, I, and Boston was such a big part for me because of I saw what winning looked like and what winning organizations did and, and a lot of things that Theo had put in place over there and uh, influenced that and tried to bring some of those same concepts over here in, in the dugout. Now, at that moment in time, we were only two months into the 2018 Major League Baseball season. The Cubs were on top of their division, the NL Central, and had just come off a three-game win streak. Ross himself had come on board with the Chicago Cubs at the start of the 2015 season, after spending two years in Boston with the Red Sox, in which he won a World Series. Ross had been on the organization's radar for a while, and was brought over, most would say, because of his partnership with the newly signed Cubs starting pitcher, John Lester. But Ross also led on to the fact that the Cubs organization itself was special and that his fellow players in the clubhouse brought out the best in him. It sounded like it was a matter more of having a, um, an innovative organizational approach versus just getting, obviously, one player, two players. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's a bigger picture for them, no doubt. Like, I was just a small piece, but it, I think everybody has their role, and I think 
guys being able to embrace your role is is super important. So that was kind of me. I was, you know, so many great things have happened to me, like just in, like this commercial and being able to be a part of it. But it's all because of the the, the organization, the ownership, the front office, and the guys, right? Like they were telling you guys nice things about me. It was I wasn't the one talking to me to say, no, I'm, I'm the greatest He's ever, right. right? Yeah. It's like they 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 say nice things about me and lifted and carried me off the field in Game Seven. So I think that's that says more about how great of the teammates that I had than, than, than it is anything about myself. Last fall, David Ross was selected by the Cubs to be their next manager to succeed Joe Madden. And many think he was tipped because of his relationship with the organization and special relationship with many Cubs players. Yet both Ross's time as a catcher over his 15-year career, plus the analytical mind that got him his ESPN gig, may serve him well and the Cubs well in his new venture as their manager. That day that we talked about the World Cup and breaking curses, he was also kind enough to let me ask some nuts and bolts questions about baseball and why we fixate on such things as running and tagging and throwing. Despite my onslaught of deep-cut baseball nerd questions, Ross took everything in stride. He was cool as can be and sounded not only like an experienced player, but as an experienced manager. Here's one thing that I hear from fans is that they feel like the total game is appreciated more, whereas, let's say, 10, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, it was all about the you know, Sosa McGuire home run race. Right, right. Do you think people are appreciating more the footwork of the shortstop and you throwing out Lindor at second and all those great little things that are have always been part of the game, but now we're we're kind of paying attention to them now. Well, well, think about what you hear in the in the news today. It's like what a great tagger Javi Baez is. Like what you never talked about? I never even heard of that. Right? Like right, tagging. Good tip. Right. Exactly. So it's one of those things. The nuances of the game are. Uh, celebrated more and I think it's because of how much more we talk about those things on yeah. TV and then and the nuances of the game and I think even the game calling and the gamesmanship between pitching and catching and all that because that's such a passion of me I hear it more in the media and I hear it more uh, in the in the stands of wow this guy this guy kills sliders why did we throw him a slider you know and, and I'm getting those same questions asked when you know, I was in the dugout or when in the on the team and in the locker room after a game well as they say uh, I won't print it ever but I I don't know who said first that you say the word slider and Javi Baez will swing. He's having <laughs> right. a pretty damn good season. Yeah, he's having a great season. Yeah, yeah you kind of take – it's with every player. There's growth process, but you've got to take the good with the bad. You know, it's like David Ross is a really good catcher and can really throw and calls a great game, but he can't hit. You know what I mean? Like, well, you had a pretty good – your last I had a, year, you had, had a, a nice – I had a nice season, yeah. but – it, all in all, I'm, I wasn't a great hitter and wasn't a star player and all that. But but either way, you look at the body of work, and again, it goes back to every piece has its place. For certain in the game of baseball, every piece does have its place. And one thing that may work to Ross's favor as the next Cubs manager is not so much his mindset around the game or what he knows, but his relationship and history with individual Cubs players. Cubs all-star first baseman Anthony Rizzo joined the organization in 2012, and he was part of the same championship team as Ross. After playing alongside him for two years, Anthony Rizzo thinks that David Ross has a lot going for him. When I spoke to Rizzo by phone this April, he indicated that he was looking forward to baseball and also looking forward to playing under David Ross as the new manager. I spoke to him about that specifically. Uh, so you know him from the dugout, and now he's the manager. Um, you know, you've, you've been through the Madden era, and obviously Dave, uh, Joe Madden has his style. But, yeah, how do you... Um I mean, how do you pivot from David Ross being, you know, sort of the elder statesman in the dugout to winning a World Series alongside him to having him come back in a different role um, as the skipper now? I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be it's going to be a it's a unique opportunity for 
for David to manage a lot of his former teammates and a lot of friends. And he has relationships with all of us. And that's a very big positive for our group because he'll be able to speak to us with love like he always does. Mm -hmm. Whether you like it or not, it's coming from the right, right place. And the spring training, the tone that was set by us players and with Rossi leading it, it was a great atmosphere. It was a great vibe, and we were all really getting excited for the season, just like every other team, obviously. But we feel really good about it, and I think uh, Rossi's done an amazing job at being the manager and then also toning back and and kind of taking his guard down and, and shooting it how it is. So it's it's been good. With not much more left in 2020 other than the remnants of an abbreviated baseball season, we'll probably have to wait till next year to see what the Chicago Cubs really look like. But both Cubs players and diehard fans seem excited about what David Ross will bring as the new manager, and some hope that Ross's time at the helm will bring back more of that great World Series magic. Every sport, whether it involves a ball, a puck, a javelin, or something else, has its share of legendary coaching talent and coaching titans. The dawn of the unified National Football League in the 1960s saw Vince Lombardi coach the Green Bay Packers to win the first two Super Bowls. Later, the Super Bowl trophy itself became Vince Lombardi's namesake. In baseball, managers like Joe Torre and Casey Stengel became synonymous with the World Series and championships as much as they did with their team, the New York Yankees. Basketball has its titans, too. First, there was Red Auerbach, who coached the Boston Celtics to nine NBA championships between 1957 and 1966. About two decades later came along Phil Jackson, who won six NBA titles with the Chicago Bulls before moving on to L.A., where he would win another five titles with the Lakers. Here in Chicago, there's often a conversation in sports and on sports radio about who would make the Mount Rushmore of coaches in Chicago. Along with Phil Jackson, of course, there's Joel Quenville, who led the Chicago Blackhawks to three Stanley Cup trophies in 2010, 2013, and 2015. Along with Jackson and Quenville, a few other coaching names here in Chicago get tossed around when we have that Mount Rushmore conversation. There's Mike Ditka, who led the Chicago Bears to win Super Bowl 36 after an impeccable 1985 season. There's also Ozzie Guillen, manager of the Chicago White Sox in the 2000s. Guillen led the Chicago White Sox to 99 wins in the 2005 season, and they also won the World Series. But despite Mount Rushmore's history of having four faces on it, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many other Chicago sports fans, you'd have to make extra room for one more coaching talent. And of course, that's Joe Madden, who managed the Chicago Cubs up until the end of last season. Madden also led the Cubs to win their first World Series in over a century back in 2016, as we all know. Now, Joe Madden is someone who's probably always stood out in baseball, and it's not just because of his big horn rim glasses or his big personality or the bigger, ever-present smile on his face. Now, of course, if you speak to any veteran Cubs player, they speak very highly of Joe Madden and probably describe him as one of the best managers that they've ever played for. Cubs utility man Ian Happ spoke about that two summers ago. Happ was a fairly new addition to the Cubs at the time, and he had just transitioned over from the minor leagues a season earlier. But he spoke about how easy it was, thanks to Joe Madden and his style of leadership and coaching. 
Yeah, playing playing for Joe is a dream because he he rolls the balls out and he lets you go play. Um, he keeps it super relaxed and the stuff outside of away from the field, outside of baseball, mm-hmm. is what makes him so incredible. Is because he cares about you as a person outside of the field, and he doesn't get worked up about anything off the field there's nothing he's not going to get mad at you at the clothes you wear or um the the little things that you're doing that that have no effect on baseball so he 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 lets you be yourself he lets you be your own person and then when you get on the baseball field he's super supportive and and really a positive guy and i i can't say enough about how easy he is to play for now besides his tendency to just roll out the balls and let players be who they want to be Joe Madden is, I guess you could say, known for unorthodox ways of coaching baseball. You've probably heard the stories, and yes, they are true. First off, there was that story about the magician that Joe Madden brought into the locker room. It was right before the All-Star break in the 2015 season, and the Cubs had just experienced a five-game losing streak. In order to battle the black magic in the air, Joe Madden had hired a magician to come in before a Cubs-Mets game on a Tuesday night. It must have worked because on that night, June 30th, the Cubs beat the Mets 1-0 to snap their losing streak. Less than a year later, in the 2016 season, the Cubs were 20-6 on Cinco de Mayo. They had just returned to Chicago from Pittsburgh, where they had swept the Pirates in three games. On May 5th, they faced four games at home against the Washington Nationals. Now, to celebrate the four games at home and perhaps Cinco de Mayo too, Madden brought in a mariachi band to play live inside the Cubs clubhouse. That must have worked, too, because the Cubs won all four games against the Nationals. Now, Madden's unorthodox moves probably fit the personality of the Chicago Cubs organization, especially at the time. They were a team en route to a national championship, the World Series, and they just seemed to have something special. Now, one other thing that Hap mentioned, besides Joe Madden's laid-back personality and his own style of magic, perhaps, was the special feeling that he gets playing at Wrigley Field. Hap also mentioned that there's just something special about playing for the Cubs at this stage in his career. To, to be in Chicago with one of the best teams in baseball and that, the National League feel where guys are going in and out, everybody's playing every day, but you don't know for how many innings are in what spot. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the difference, and, and it's super exciting. And the fact that we get to do it uh, at Wrigley Field in front of this crowd is really special. Now, whether the magic that the Cubs seem to have comes from the coaches and players or the history, good and bad, of the organization, or even perhaps from the Wrigley Field Ivy itself, there's a culture around this team that won't go away. Whatever you make of it, there's a certain magic to the Cubs that just adds to the baseball experience. Now let's talk about those crazy Cubs fans. Perhaps it might seem unusual for a sports team that has only won one championship in the last century to have such a diehard legion of fans. When looking at Major League Baseball's attendance, the Cubs are always in the top four. Just like the Yankees, the Cardinals, and the Dodgers, the Cubs consistently game in and game out at home, turn in near-capacity attendance. And when it comes to road games, nobody beats the Cubs. Looking at 2019 attendance, the Cubs were tops on the road, averaging 33,454 fans per game. And then there's those celebrity Chicago Cubs fans that you probably keep hearing about. Celebrity Chicago Cubs fans span both Hollywood and the music industry. 
In the movie world, there's big-time movie actors like Bill Murray, Bonnie Hunt, Vince Vaughn, and John Cusack among them. In the music circuit, there's Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan, and supposedly Bette Midler is a Cubs fan too. There's also Pete Wentz of the Chicago band Fall Out Boy, and Tom Morello, the guitarist and songwriter from Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave. But probably the most vocal among celebrity Cubs fans is Pearl Jam rocker and lead singer Eddie Vedder. Now, going back to that spoof TV commercial, the one about the Brizzo souvenir company with David Ross applying as an intern, Eddie Vedder's in that clip too. But instead of fetching coffee and vegan muffins, Eddie Vedder applies for a different role with the Cubs in the commercial. As an aspiring intern, Vedder instead goes after the role as the Cubs' songmaster. We need a jingle. Now, in the summer of 2018, when Pearl Jam was here to play a couple of shows at Wrigley Field, Eddie Vedder had different ideas about his role with the Cubs. Now, at that final Wrigley Field Pearl Jam show, one which was stopped by a rain delay, of course, Vedder talked about the charm of the manually operated scoreboard and even floated the idea that after his Pearl Jam years, he might take up a job working at Wrigley so he could man the scoreboard. Now, the Pearl Jam singer is such a big Cubs fan that he was actually seen guitar in hand busking outside Wrigley Field before a 2017 Cubs game. Okay, so that might be a snapshot of Cubs fans and the Cubs nation, but not everybody in the world loves the Chicago Cubs. Strangely, the very same day that I attended the last Pearl Jam show at Wrigley Field, I did an interview with Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright. Wainwright spent his entire 14-season career in St. Louis with the Cardinals. Wainwright is indeed a great guy, but one thing that he would tell you very proudly is that he is a Chicago Cubs detractor. That day when we talked about legendary Cardinals players and legendary Cardinals fans, Adam Wainwright mentioned John Hamm, who's probably one of the biggest St. Louis Cardinals fans in the world. Like Wainwright, Hamm also hates the Cubs. And in that interview, he talked about some of the banter that comes up when the Cardinals play the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I have hung out with John a few times. He was actually in our fantasy football draft with me a few years back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after after the uh, the World Series went in 2011, um, he'd come into town and we'd see him. You know, we, he'd invite us out to dinner nice. and uh, to, to the bars or whatever to have a drink or something. But, you know, most of the time uh, I, I get to spend time with him is I'm texting with him. He's he's a huge Cards fan and he loves pumping me up for a big game or something. We awesome. go into Chicago, he'll send me a text, hey, whoop the Cubs. And uh, and I'll, I'll see him sometime, he'll post something on, on social media with him wearing uh, a Cardinals hat somewhere and it just gets me all fired up. So I'll send him a text, sweet hat, love the, you know, love the support, appreciate you so much. Besides John Hamm, there are other big time celebrity St. Louis Cardinals fans. Wainwright mentioned two other famous Johns who are big-time St. Louis Cardinals fans. He mentioned famous comedian and actor John Goodman, and also golf legend John Daly. We got to meet John Goodman a few times. He's a big Cardinal fan. John Daly. Yeah, I was going to say John Daly, yeah. (laughs) John Daly actually sent me a jersey to sign the other day, and I was so fired up. I was like, man, I want him to sign something for me. You know, but the other day they took a a great picture at, at at the PGA Championship, and he was wearing his uh, St. Louis Cardinals jacket. Okay, so Cards and Cubs fans can battle it out all day with the argument of who has the most famous fans, who has the best fans. And with 11 World Series titles to their name, the St. Louis Cardinals definitely have bragging rights when it comes to winning big. 
But despite World Series championships, some might argue that the Cubs have a bigger footprint. To get a read on this, I wanted to talk to a lifelong Chicagoan, someone almost as old as I am, who is also a lifelong Cubs fan. In late July, I caught up with Larry Hawley, a sports producer at WGN-TV. Larry explained a little bit of in-depth contemporary Cubs fan history for me, and he basically said that Cubs fandom runs in the family. Really, for my generation, is there's this appeal of Wrigley Field, the friendly confines of Wrigley Field. I think that's part of it. Um, I think the Cubs are passed down from generations. My father was a Cub fan. My dad was actually an Army brat. But uh, he was uh, always loved the Cubs because of WGN. I think that, uh, you know, so passing down from families, I think the WGN factor, I think that the Superstation, uh, being able to broadcast those games all around the country, uh, you know, built such a, a Cub mania. So you have Cub fans all over the country. Okay, so the Cubs had a huge media footprint thanks to the Tribune Company and WGN. But what about the fact that they didn't win a lot of games? Now, this is a whole other topic. You, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, you didn't really have the pressure of a Boston or, you know, where you had the Boston coming so close to winning a championship. The Cubs had that lovable loser mentality. You like to root for them. Uh, became a very fun team, you know, attractive team to follow. You know, some days weren't fun because the team, you know, certainly had its struggles, although I've been lucky that they've been pretty good since I've been alive. And I think all those factors, I think the ballpark, WGN, uh, passing it down from generations, I think that's kind of what makes the Cubs such a popular team. But wins and losses aside, and irrespective of a 108-year drought of World Series championships, Hawley says that there's just something traditional about the Cubs. It's a combination of both the club's historic presence in baseball as well as the hallowed ground that they play on. You can't deny Wrigley Field. I don't think there's any denying that. I think the park, uh, the the attraction of it, I think the attraction of it to the to the not necessarily baseball fan. I'm not going to sit here and deny that. There, People are like, oh, you go to Wrigley Field, it's the world's largest beer garden. Sure, there's a lot of people who go there because they like the atmosphere. I think it's the tradition of being in Chicago. I think certainly being one of those teams that's been around forever. I think certainly longevity has been able to earn them. There it is. And, of course, the, 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 the Cubs were on WGN a lot longer. So you had that, again, generations of fans being built. But I don't think there's any denying Andy, that Wrigley Field has a lot to do with the attendance. I think it does have a lot. Uh, I think that when the, one of the great contributions of the Tribune Company was the bolstering of Wrigley Field, was making that and the, you know, the neighborhood an attraction. But now that the Cubs have won a World Series, that whole lovable losers thing isn't really a factor anymore. Cubs fans not only expect a fun, beautiful, active venue, they actually expect their team to win now. Hawley mentions one game that was a huge catalyst for Cubs fans all over the nation. On October 14, 2003, the Cubs were five outs from the World Series. As we all know now, the legendary Bartman game was the one in which the Cubs blew a three-game lead and with it, their chance to go to the World Series. And Hawley thinks that getting that close and blowing it was a defining moment for Cubs fans everywhere. I really think it was the Bartman game and the subsequent game seven, although we all remember the Bartman game. And, and you know what? I shouldn't, that isn't fair for me to say because the Cubs really messed that up. But we, we know it is a Bartman game. It, it's part of, of the culture of, of the fan base and the franchise. There was something about that game that made people say, oh my God, we have to win. We can't be the losers anymore. Then you have this very bizarre 2004 season where they actually won another one more game. 
But they had, like, Kent Merker calling the booth. There was the Dusty versus Steve Stone stuff. Sammy Sosa's prominence as the face of the franchise completely eroded, really, over the course of a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And you have all this, and it turned the Cub fan base into, we want to win now. We, we have to win. We want to win a championship. We have to do this. Great. You, then you get 07 with Pinella. They get swept out by the Diamondbacks. The fans loudly boo when that game three ended. You have the disaster against the Dodgers. And I think people became more anxious. I think fans became more demanding. And if you look at it, you look at millennials. The Cubs made, you know, for those who are around, the Cubs, you know, I, don't, I don't know if my definitions are correct, but the Cubs have made the playoffs in 98, 03, 07, 08, 15, 16, 17, and 18. They didn't make it in 18. They, didn't, they weren't there long, but they did make it in 18. Mm-hmm. You have this incredible, you know, I think starting with that Bartman game and starting with 6 and 7, fans had to win. Fans wanted to win, and they held the expectation. What happened to the Cubs franchise after that was epic baseball stuff. First, a new ownership came in. The wealthy Ricketts family of Nebraska, who are self-proclaimed lifelong Cubs fans, stepped in and bought the club off the Tribune Company. From 2009 to about 2015, the Ricketts family was happy to let big expensive contracts expire and made some trades to get rid of players that were probably on their way out anyway. And after that, in October of 2011, the Cubs franchise hired Theo Epstein, who had had immense success as general manager with the Boston Red Sox. While there, Epstein helped the franchise break the long dominance of the New York Yankees and also win two World Series. And after Theo got settled in, the Cubs brought in a new manager, Joe Madden, to begin the 2015 season. The new management and the new manager, as well as all the new prospects that the Cubs had brought in over the years, constituted a rebuild from scratch. And for now, you could at least say the rest was history. Whether you're a Cubs fan or someone who sports a completely different team, thanks for taking this ride through baseball history with me. For the next episode of 28 Minutes, we'll be talking World Cup soccer with Mia Hamm and Megan Rapino. Thanks for listening.